This is Rare Bird Radio. I'm Carol E. Miller, author of Every Moment of a Fall, a memoir of recovery from childhood trauma using the eye movement therapy, EMDR. And I'm Joan Stanford, author of The Art of Play, Ignite Your Imagination to Unlock Insight, Healing, and Joy. Hi, Joan. Hi, Carol. Um, you are also an innkeeper, correct? Yes, in Mendocino, yes. Wow, I'm a little jealous of that, I have to say. Well, right now I'm on vacation, so um, it's not. A, <laughs> it's very nice to be away from it, to tell you the truth. But it, it is. It's pretty exciting to have the opportunity to meet people from everywhere and to live in a beautiful place. But it is exhausting too. It's. It's a. You know. There's no time off. I can imagine. Um, where does an innkeeper go for vacation? Well, this is kind of comical because where I am is a family cottage on Lake Winnipeg in Manitoba, and it's such a funky little place compared to what people think, but it's just totally my heart home. I love coming back here. Um, the family, you know, has been coming. We're now into the fifth generation with some of my cousins, grandkids. So, um, you know, it just it's just a place that holds a lot for me. It's like going back to some basic source for me. So I love coming up here. Well, that that doesn't surprise me. Having read your book, um, you talk about you know a place that has that kind of uh, appeal for you. Um, you you just said that it's exhausting work being an innkeeper. So can you say a little bit about how you make time for yourself to uh, your your book is all about making time to play creatively. And I'm curious about, about how you do that. Well, I, I'm kind of curious how I did it, too. When I look back, I think, how did I do that? And that's partly why I wrote the book, because I think so many people think they don't have time to just spend time with themselves, with their thoughts. And I think for a lot of us, especially women, there's guilt attached to that. It's like it's the last thing we're going to do is take time to just reflect or be with our own thoughts. It's like first we're going to do everything we have to do, and then we find other things we have to do. And we're, we're sort of culturally oriented to taking care of everybody else but ourselves. And I don't know what it was that um, kind of, it's hard to know exactly the pivot point, but I got to this place where I just knew I had to um, start listening to myself again because I had gotten into a place of, of sort of self-alienation. And how I do it now is I just make a point of every... Well, maybe not every day. I try not to make it a should, but just about every day I will spend some time writing and collaging or doing something that feels like I'm just checking in. Yeah. Do you do you find that um, it really needs to be a, a daily kind of something, uh, some kind of daily practice for it to um, work its magic on you? <laughs> well... I don't always do it every day, but I think having that intention that it's part of you, it, it sort of calls you back. I'm sure you've experienced this. It, it, it's because you know you didn't do it, um, and you think, oh, I missed that. And I always know when I'm getting a little off balance that that's what I need to be doing, to go back and create that space for myself. Um, but I don't do it every day religiously, but um, I think it definitely having that 
idea that I am going to do it every day is, is works on our subconscious in some way, and, and I think it is important for any spiritual kind of practice to, to, to make it something that's a daily or a pretty routine part of your, of your day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I don't think you're, you, you talk about spiritual practice, and I don't think you um, distinguish be, uh, between spiritual and creative practice. Am I right? Yeah, I, you're right. Yep, definitely. So those are interchangeable in a sense. Um, yeah. Um, I, you, you talked about um, listening. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the way your book begins, um, which is chapter one is called Listening. <laughs> uh-huh. And you start uh, talking about um, what Jung called the still small voice within. And you say that you became an art therapist to encourage others to find ways to connect to that voice and allow right. it expression. Um, what can you? What kind of work do you do as as an art therapist? Um, well, currently I'm doing. I offer what I call play shops at the inn, and these are mostly. I don't call it therapy, but it's always therapeutic to do this kind of thing. Um, there again, it, it's really because I want to offer it as something that anyone can do, and that it is you know using art, creative process as an expressive technique can help you get in touch with things that you probably won't get to other ways. Um, so it's another tool in um, in anyone that's on a journey of of becoming more self-aware and living a more conscious life. It's just another tool in that toolbox. Um, so I like to offer it to anybody. When I was um, before, and I also do groups and retreats, that kind of thing, day-long workshops. Um, while I was getting my uh, hours, you know, to get my uh, credential, I worked at the schools with, well, actually even in elementary schools, but mainly in high school. And I saw how powerful it was for kids to do spontaneous art-making writing, any of these kind of expressive techniques to, to validate what was going on inside them. Because I think even as adults, we tend to think everyone else has it all together. <laughs> and then someone shares a piece of writing or talks about some collage they've made, and you realize, oh, my goodness, even though she's the you know, most popular person in the school, she has these same insecurities and worries about her, her looks and worries about how her mother feels about her. And it, it connects people on a different level right away. Um, so I really find it powerful in group work, so I've done a fair bit of that. Um, but at the moment, I'm really concentrating more just on offering the play shops and evening drop-in almost kind of things where people can just come in and play with some materials. And the play is... I, I, it's a word, you know, it's a word that suggests it's um, uh, not that serious. Well, it doesn't, you know, it means that it's not serious. But the way I think of it as play is getting us back in touch with that more spontaneous, less judgmental part of ourselves, the kid part. And yeah. it's actually, it's not, it's not frivolous kind of play. It almost always has some kind of message for us when we get in there and start to mess with art supplies and. Um, without trying to create something in particular, like more process, not product oriented. 
Yeah, I mean, don't don't you feel like um, the that whole idea that play for adults anyway is not serious um, or is is you know um, not worth our time or something like that it's, is it's just so misguided in terms of it's so often exactly what we need to reconnect to ourselves. Right. It's like, it's, you know, how so often they talk about how somebody like Einstein or some great thinker will come up with the, with the solution to something they've been noodling with, uh, you know, in the, in the laboratory, at the desk, whatever. And then they have a dream or they go to take a shower and all of a sudden, you know, something connects and fires. And I think that's what happens when we play. We just kind of step aside and other things can kind of fall into patterns and reveal themselves to us. But when we're concentrating and, you know, struggling and um, just kind of it's, a, it's, it's nonlinear. There's something that happens when we play that allows that to happen, that spontaneous uprising of something new and different. And I think in terms of, you know, self-insight, it also takes the pressure off. It's not so intimidating to do it if you think it's just play in quotes, you know. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I suspect there's something kind of um, fearful about, you know, this dismissive attitude that it's just play, you know, yeah. because it takes us to places that we um, have maybe gotten less accustomed to going to as, you know, as we get older and disconnected from that kind of childlike place in us. Right. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, you know, one thing that right off the bat that just, t just totally spoke to me um, in this first chapter is you write, um, after many years of being ignored, criticized, even ridiculed, the voice retreats to safety. Um, and I think that's sort of something that happens, just what we've been talking about in, in adults who um, kind of... Uh, cover it over or bury it or have had one too many um, bad experiences with letting that voice say what it wants to say and so just kind of burying it. Right and in, in what I've read of your book Carol it's like it's so obvious to me like you were you were going through these really traumatic big things and you were having these experiences inside you 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 convey that so vividly i mean you're right i feel i'm right there and going through it with you and you were a young person and and nobody was validating or even asking how are you feeling how are you really feeling you know what's going on with you and i think that's what happens we it gets ignored on the outside and then we tend to ignore it or or um, you know what's the word we don't validate it on the inside either and we judge it very harshly if we do feel like we want attention um, you know, well, that's not good to want attention, but it is important, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So I really, I, I think, yeah, I really got that in reading where I am so far is that, um, you know, you, you were just desperately trying to be seen and heard and, and nobody was connecting what you were going through and taking yeah. care of you. Yeah, and, um, and that was happening as... A, I should say that I, 
what you're reading in the memoir is about um, a the aftermath of an airplane crash that I survived with my family. And, um, you know, that was, that's a, an, an example of an, in, an intense trauma that a person certainly benefits from being able to talk about and share and process, um, you know, in various ways. And what you're um, talking about is the fact that that wasn't happening for me um, as an adolescent. And so it just, um, it snowballed. I mean, I, I, that was a learned kind of response for me was to, okay, well, nobody wants to hear my voice, so I'm not going to use it. Kind right. of. Um, and dull it, you know, shut it down. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it was just so striking to me that um, we don't have uh, visuals here <laughs> to share with people, but the, um, the, the collage that you made um, that's called Listening, that's on the facing page um, mm -hmm. of chapter one, is um, an image of a woman with, and there are three birds flying over her head. And I have to tell you that um, one of the one of the experiences, really a, a very freeing experience that I had once I got into therapy, as you know, at, in midlife, um, and I was working with an EMDR therapist, and that. That stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and it's a it's a trauma focused therapy. Right. Um, I kept having this experience, a, a very physical experience of feeling like my throat was closing, um, like like I was choking. Uh huh. When I was trying to express certain things, you know, we we would be in in a session, we would be focusing focusing on a particular event and, you know, I wouldn't be able to, I would just get this, um, very physical response of, uh, you know, I can't breathe or I, I can't talk about it. And right. so after that happened, you know, for weeks and weeks, my therapist finally said, you know, are you keeping, are you holding things in your throat? Uh -huh. And I said, um, yes, I think I am. And she said, okay, I want you to go down your throat and look and see what, what you're holding there. <laughs> yeah. So it was a very kind of surreal, uh, experience to, you know, visualize going down my throat and looking, looking around and seeing what was down there. But, and, and I found a lot of stuff, <laughs> But one of the first things I, I saw when I got down there was these birds. There were three birds that flew over my head, and I watched them fly up and up and up um, to the place where the opening was that was my mouth, and I saw them fly out of my mouth. Wow. So when I looked at this collage that you made, Joan, I just oh, thought, perfect. <laughs> That's really incredible. Isn't it? Yes. You know, the first one of the first things when I put a little um, tiny 
booklet together with just a few poems. I mean, this this was just like, you know, on paper folded over with a string in the middle. Um, I called it Giving giving My Words Wings. Huh. And wow. I'm feeling, you know, that, that uh, image of, of the birds coming, you know, from inside you and coming out and then taking flight and, you know, and actually it's, it's even more um, significant to me because of the plane crash, you know, it's like it's a rising up and out rather than coming down and crashing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I um, just had that immediately very stirring experience um, picking up your book. So thank you for that. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I, you know, I think, and you've probably felt the same way, that the neatest thing about having a book come out is hearing people's responses that, you know, um, like one man was at a reading and said, I hope you didn't see me crying. And I said, oh, my goodness, that's like such a huge compliment to me that you would be moved to the extent that you would cry, especially a man, you know. <laughs> we, we tend to operate a lot in women's worlds um, uh, as art therapists. There's very few men in our field, and more now. But, but uh, So anyway, it's just it's wonderful when something, you know, has particular significance for, for a reader, and so I'm very happy. Thank you for telling me that. Well, and don't you find uh, that, you know, putting this work out there is just inviting this kind of connection and yes, uh, and yes, I I do. I feel I know my intention was to hopefully inspire other people to just try it and to to believe that they could do it. That if they explored some of their responses and experiences with imagery, that there would be you know an enriching of that. I, I really wanted to offer that because for me it was so significant. Like. I'm sure your experience with the therapy, the similar, you want that story told to help other people. Um, and so, you know, that, but once you put it out, it, it's, it's a huge trusting on our part, I feel. But then you trust that it's going to, you know, find the right ears and eyes and hearts to go into. Um, yeah. And then, you know, when you do hear it back, if someone does tell you, it just feels like it's, it's wonderful. So Yes. Yeah, and I and I found I ran into um, a, a a nugget recently that re reminded me, you know, um, trying trying to control that um, that experience of how the work kind of gets out there and what it does once it's out there is, um, you know, is it's it's not going to be nearly as rewarding as just allowing it to go and seeing where it takes you and um you know the that that's sort of um that sort of return is always more satisfying than yeah, uh, yeah. trying to focus on okay i want it to do this or this or this you know right right yeah i agree it's it's um it's it's gonna it it's actually every you know most people compare it to a birth and I think it's very similar in that you know it's like a whole new world opens up when you have a child and then once you've had the child it's like it's just gonna unfold and fold and fold and you know you can do your best to you know guide it and nurture it and protect it and everything else but it's gonna be on its own arc into life and I feel it's very true with the book it's like. It's actually been an incredible journey thus far, just in terms of synchronicities. And even hearing that from you, it's like these things happen, and it, and it just makes it bigger and bigger. But, yeah, um, yeah. so yeah. it's good. Um, 
in this same uh, section, you you wrote, um, discovering my voice was a huge opening for me and quite literally saved my life. And, uh, you know, I completely identified with that too. Um, because for me, that whole process of being able to say what I, what I hadn't said and what I needed to say, um, did save my life. It completely transformed it. And I was wondering if you would like to say any more about, about how this, um, you say it literally saved your life. Do you want to say anything about that? Well, when I say that, it, it wasn't like, I, I wasn't like I was about to be suicidal or anything like that, but my life was really, it, I was in kind of a dark, dark hole, I would say. And when you use the word, it transformed your life, that's what I mean. I mean, it literally saved me, I think, from living a very flat, kind of resentful um I was just in a, a tight, I, I keep seeing this image of something like a closed fist, you know, like my hand, I'm doing it as I'm talking, like my hand is, is clenched and my thumb is over my fingers and it's like it's, 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 it's shut down, it's like shut down. I still could function and as I said at the beginning of the book, I think from the outside nobody would even know and that might be true in, in your story as well, but, but when, I, when I could find a way to connect with something real inside me that that needed to be connected to um it just it totally transformed so many things for me and and it was like truly i mean now as i'm talking i'm opening my hand and my fingers are spread and and my hand is facing up upwards it's like it literally just like spread open like your birds flying up i mean it was like it just I, it allowed me to re-engage with life as um a wonderful thing rather than a, than a difficult thing that I was coping with. Yeah. Um, and my sense from your book is that what made your life sort of constricted and small like that, like that closed fist was, um, just, uh, was focusing on everyone else's needs, putting everyone else's needs ahead of your, your own and, uh, and working all the time time and not giving yourself um a chance to to play yeah i think i think it was like somehow i found myself and i was in you know it was it was just a very demanding kind of lifestyle and i think a lot of people i mean you know guests that come to the inn and, and some that have come to the play shop they're living very intense lives very you know techie lives and and busy lives and and they don't really have off time either and then they come and they'll do a play shop or something, and it's like they just, you know, it's amazing how they respond physically. Their faces, you know, you, you I could take a before and after picture. It's it's really visibly different. Um, but it, and it's like that. It's like when you're really really busy and um, you know just working all the time. And it's not that you don't like what you're doing, but there's this other side of yourself that you're starving and it, and it needs to be fed. And once you realize that and you take care of that, everything's better, and your life is better, and you're more productive, and, you know, it just, it just happens. But, um, yeah, I think it was just that I, I got so caught up. Plus, I was, you know, we were living in the end, too, and I, I think I, I wanted this life that I had a yard and I had a house, and, and we were in a small unit with little, you know, little children, that, you know, lovely little children, but still I wanted space for them, and I wanted space. What I really needed was space for myself, but of course I was projecting it out there. But I wanted, an, you know, a 
like simple things, like I wanted to put up a swing set for them, but it had to be hidden so it didn't detract from the property. And, you know, little things. Everything was geared for the out. How does it look to the guests? And everything, kind of an upstairs-downstairs thing. Yeah. And it was just driving me crazy, I think, at the time. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people can identify um, not necessarily with your specific work and living circumstances and arrangements, but with that feeling of just being constricted by all of the things that uh, we tend to put ahead of what really turns out to be the most important stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I think our our culture, our society does that too, because I I experience a lot of people, um, and I think this was definitely true for me, it's it's almost like there's a like a ridiculing like the whole navel gazing thing you know from sometimes back with the with the um, the whole 60s thing and the, and it was like you know it's like it's just it's 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 minimized it's it's really ridiculed in a way to to want to have that time to take that time um, and the pace of things just you know people flying and you know everything's instant and um, yeah, it's a lot of stress. People are experiencing a lot of stress and, and don't know how to just stop that. Yeah. Um, I um, am looking at another passage from your book that, that really stopped me in my tracks when I got to it that speaks to this very thing. It, and it, um, it's interesting that your image was that of a closed fist and then, you know, opening your hand. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just going to, this is from chapter nine. Um, I'm just going to read a little bit. As we free energy that has become trapped, stuck, we move toward expressing and seeing our truth. We open spaces and we give form, which in turn informs. We invite relationship. We receive information. We may be totally surprised by what it, by what appears. Our curiosity is aroused. Um, that just really hit home for me. I, I mean, that you, you didn't, you wouldn't know this, but it just beautifully summed up for me my experience with psychotherapy and mm-hmm. with what e, doing EMDR allowed to happen for me um, in in my life. And can you uh, tell me more about that? Sure. Um, I think. Maybe a, a, an example would be um, that this, you know, you end that passage talking about um, the surprise when, when you open, when, when we start getting unstuck and we open ourselves and we start getting curious, um, we're surprised by what, what comes up. Right. And um, for me, what that meant was um, being able to say, okay, how was this terrifying episode that occurred as a, to me as a small child? Um, mm-hmm. How does that connect to the way that I responded to my adolescent trauma of the plane crash? And how do those things inform or connect to this debilitating depression I experienced in midlife? Um, and, you know, it, it, it's that, that the curiosity, um, the, the, the unstuckness that uh, I think allows us to, um, 
kind of go back to our story points in a way and connect the dots and also start thinking about how we want to rewrite the story. Right. Yeah. And I think that the power when you use, um, you know, visual imagery out on the page, you're moving it from the inside out. So it really is, is a mirror in a way. It's like that it's reflecting something we didn't know we could see or that was in there to be seen. So it, it's, it's that externalizing. Um, and and it's, it's like our story is our story. If we repeat it enough, it becomes almost like, you know, like a book. It's like it's solid. But once you start to manipulate things on the page, and like you're saying, even rewriting the story in your, in your, in your narration or your speaking, um, once you start to manipulate things and move it around, or like, well, what if I was this person looking at me doing this? Or what if I was that person looking at me doing this? Um, and you start to go into that more, more curious what-if place. Um, it, it, it not only, you know, changes it all, it changes the feeling of it, but, and it gives you information, um, but, but it also gives you that power. Like, you're, you, you take back that power to change things because you're the agent changing it. And I think that's something that's really significant in therapy, um, you know, any type of therapy, once you get back that, you know, you move from the victim into the person that can actually impact the story, impact the outcome of the story, and, and you know, and change some of the characters even. You know, it, it, we move towards that, I think. The more, the more work we do on ourselves, the more we're able to, you know, view somebody else with a, with a more compassionate lens. Yeah, and view ourselves that yes, way. Absolutely. Well which I think is, well, for me anyway, was critical. Um, There was a great deal of guilt bound up in having survived um, the crash that my younger sister did not survive. And, um, you know, a a huge part of my therapeutic process was um, feeling compassion toward myself and being able to forgive myself for... um, just, uh, I think a lot of uh, abuse that I, that I heaped on my, on myself as a result of the guilt of surviving. Right. Well, as I said, the, the part that I was reading, it felt like you were trying to do harm to yourself to balance it. Like there was this equation you had to balance, you know, you couldn't be a happy person because you'd lost, you know, your, your sister was gone and your family was suffering and, you know, you, you, it was all taken out of the whole mix that you could be a happy person living a, a relatively fulfilling life. You you had to you had to suffer. You had to, you know, I mean that's my reading of it. I'm just yeah. I, I just really feel for that person. Yeah, and I, I you know I mean in my case was an extreme, um, but I but I feel like a lot of us have that kind of similar experience where Mm -hmm. we kind of get lost and we um, don't honor these things about ourselves that um, that allow us to experience the kind of things that you're talking about and that you're working with people to to bring out when you do your play shops and stuff right well I think there's a section in my book too where I talk about 
it's like being where I am. Like I can't be somebody else. I may want to be somebody else. I may want to live a different life. But it's when we start to really own our own life and, and mine it. I, I love that play on the word mine. Like it's, it's my life, but I'm also going to mine it for what it holds, what, what I'm going to bring up from the inner earth. You know, I'm, I'm going to really make it my life. And I think I, a lot of us, I mean, I, I agree. I think a lot of us have guilt about one thing or, an, or another, guilt that we didn't do something or that we did do something or that we had something or we didn't have something. And, you know, we go on and on with what isn't. And do we really have to be, you know, it's kind of a cliche, but we have to be with our existence as it is and and really be there um, to have any movement anywhere else. I mean, we're never really anywhere else. We're always here, but you know what I mean? It's like we have to really stop the bemoaning and the wishing and everything, but it's it's human. We all do it, and, you know, it's not like it doesn't stop, but at least there's an awareness of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, speaking of being aware, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is um, in your Chapter 11, um, Life is Art, Life is Play, you have this before and after list that you created. Right. <laughs> um, so things like before was wishing and after is willing, before was waiting and after is beginning, before was passive, after is active, and you go through this great um, list of that feels like transformation. Um, yeah. And I wanted to ask you about... Um, do you feel like, um, do you find yourself maybe reverting to any of these before ways of thinking or being um, if you're not, for example, allowing yourself enough time for play or? Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I kind of alluded to that before. I think when I get into this place of, of uh, more tight-fisted about something and, and or more judgmental about something, I, I know to sort of stop now. And I, I think I, the reason I laughed when you brought up the chart was that was kind of my little um, uh, tip of the hat to the articles and magazines where there's the before and after transformation. But I, I really liked it because as I did it, it made me think, well, you know, what were the changes? And they were significant. But I, and I did say right after the chart that, you know, I think it's just I do go back and forth. I'm never always in the right place, you know, the, the more ideal yeah. place. But there is an awareness of, of um, oh, like, you know, I really, I'm, I'm getting really into that poor me place, and I need to look at what, what am I being envious about, and what could I do to get more of that in my life, rather than just sitting there, you know, thinking, oh, I wish I could travel to Paris and live in Paris, which I was really feeling reading your book. <laughs> um, but um, anyway, <laughs> you know, so yes, I, I, I definitely, um, I think it's, again, it's, it's, you know, we're human. All of the things that, that we go through, some of us have a lot more tough stuff to go through. But um, I feel like I've had a very, touch, I'm touching wood, but very easy go of it. But, um, but we're all, you know, we're all on this journey of, of becoming more aware, um, not just of ourselves, but, but of everything. And I just, you know, I, 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 I know that my, my life is so much richer because of what I've done. And, um, you know, and I just know that that's something waiting for me to come back to it when I get away from it. I, I, and it's almost like I've been here all along. Where have you been, <laughs> you know, when I come back to my art supplies and stuff? 
which I bring up here too. I carry them. I have a little tote now, and I carry everything up that I want. Well, not everything, obviously, but my travel kit. Yeah, <laughs> your travel version. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's really striking. I mean, I, I feel like these things are on a continuum. I was just looking at a couple: fear of failure versus delight in trying. Um, right. You know, I right, feel- because that perfectionism is a huge thing. I'm actually going through that now even with the book out because, you know, I'm being asked to do some things, and it's like I want to do it so well. I want to be clever. I want, I want people to like it. So I go to that place, and I think, for heaven's sakes, just start it. You know, see what happens. Just get into the process. Um, but, yes, yeah. that perfectionism is a biggie. Yeah, and the one right below it is huge for me. The before in the before column is shame, and in the yeah. after column is aliveness, and right. I mean that just kind of gives me chills when I read that because those are those are two very familiar kinds of polarities for me, and um, I really loved the way that you expressed this, and also that you also talked about how we kind of slide ten. Because we're human, we tend to kind of slide back and forth um, right. in between these things sometimes. But it's, I love the fact of having this concrete list. It's almost like a, a great reference tool, you know? Yeah. No, I was, as I say, I kind of did it in, like a joke almost, but I was really happy. And I really liked, I'm glad you mentioned that one because I really liked that aliveness because. I think so many of our self-judgments come around that we shouldn't be doing this thing, but that is what keeps us alive. Like if we've done something particularly, you know, taboo or something, but it opens something up in us that, that's, that connects us to the living, you know, living body that we are. And, um, you know, it's, it's that guilt and shame are, are such, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation, it, it's the one that puts the little voice back in its place. You know, don't ever speak out again. You know, you are not to be heard from again. And and so, you know, it goes deeply down. But if you just think, you know, being alive is obviously we're going to do all sorts of things that we might say, oh, dear, I shouldn't have done that, or, oh, dear, how did I end up here? But it's part of being alive, and it's wonderful that we are alive in a, in a sensate body that can experience things. Um, and share things. Yes. yes, absolutely. I agree. That was that was the the whole point for me of of writing my book was to yeah. um, sh- to to celebrate to get to that point of here I am alive and I'm delighted I'm delighted to be alive and to own that and um, you know it's not always uh, rainbows and roses but but it but it's alive and what a huge journey you know i mean i'm so glad that i love the title of the book um your book but it's it's such a huge journey to come from that place of survivor's guilt to being joyfully embracing your life you know and then writing a book to to encourage other people you know to to help other people it's 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 wonderful well it's really been a delight to to read your book Joan and to talk with you about these things um, I'm so glad we got the chance to do it me too I really appreciate it Carol I, I, I hope we get to meet each other I hope so too um, 
do you want to say in closing, um, do you want to just remind us um, of the title of your book? And, and do you want to maybe say if you have a website where people can find you? Sure, that'd be great. Yeah, so the title of my book is The Art of Play, Ignite Your Imagination to Unlock Insight, Healing, and Joy. And I do have a website. It's just uh, my name, www.joanstanford.com. And I, I must say that I'm new to this whole world of, of social media and having my own website. I've always been umbrellaed under the end. So it's another kind of stepping out to, you know, to have my own website. But there it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's brave, I think, to, you know, step into the full current of social media. Um, <laughs> Yes. That way anyway. Um, and, and I'm just to remind people, I'm Carol E. Miller and, um, my website is carol-e-miller.com and my memoir about the plane airplane crash I survived at age 16 and about my recovery is called every moment of a fall. So I highly recommend that book. Thank you. Um, and I feel the same way about yours. And it's a beautiful book, too. It's Thank the you. Visual, the visuals are lovely. So great to talk Thank with you. you. Great to talk to you, too. Thank you so much, Carol.